Hello, my warrior loves. Welcome to Beyond Body, a mini series where we are exploring body image and how to change the internal and external scripts that influence the way you think and feel about your own body. Subscribe and follow along to hear real life stories and experiences on the path to body image healing. Now, if negative body image is holding you back and fueling your eating disorder, listen up. This February, we are curating a small, intimate group of warriors for Beyond Body, a six-month body image accelerator program that brings together tangible practices you can call on for the rest of your life and an intimate group format for deep learning, healing, and integration. Now, we officially start in March, so February is the time to get your application in and get on a discovery call to see if Beyond Body is for you. Beyond Body is a safe container designed for women in their mid to late 30s, 40s, and 50s who want to do real, long-lasting work to improve their body image so this one precious life can be enjoyed more fully and freely. With the right approach, skills, and support, body dissatisfaction doesn't have to hold you back in your relationships and career. If you want to make this the year you do deeper body image healing work during the spring and summer months, request an invite to apply for Beyond Body at recoverywarriors.com slash beyond. Spots are limited, so get yours in now by requesting an invite to apply at recoverywarriors.com slash beyond. Today, I'm grateful to be with Anna Sweeney, a registered dietitian and eating disorder expert who carries so much compassion and knowledge around how to combat diet culture, eat with body wisdom, and stop making food the enemy. Anna is a certified intuitive eating specialist, certified eating disorder registered dietitian, certified sports nutritionist, and she practices from a weight-inclusive, health-at-every-size, fat-positive, and social justice-oriented lens. Anna runs Whole Life Nutrition Counseling based out of Massachusetts, which also serves clients in Florida. And additionally, she serves people all around the world through her popular Instagram account with the handle at Dietitian Anna. This is one of my personal faves to follow, and I highly recommend you do so too. Anna believes our bodies are not why we're here, and we're going to unpack that more today and some of her views on body reclamation. So welcome, Anna. So happy to have you with us today. Thank you so much. I'm so thrilled to be here. I wanted to open up this conversation around body grief. Now, this is something that has come you know, over the years that I've seen in, in just so many different presentations and ways that it can manifest with people. So I'm curious, you know, through the many years that you've been working with people with eating disorders, what are the different ways that you've seen body grief come into your practice, maybe into your own personal life? What are different ways that body grief presents itself? So I have learned most about body grief kind of in my own body grieving process and doing a whole bunch of stuff, like talking really poorly about my body in front of clients or, you know, strangers, whatever. Um, Learning about the idea that we have these bodies, like singular bodies, and these are things that we are in relationship with forever. The idea that we will not feel sorrow, that we will not feel grief at any time, it certainly speaks to outstanding privilege because it was something I had never considered in any version of the before. And factually, these bodies of ours change, right? And so 
by virtue of being here, we acknowledge that we are living beings. For me, and it, certainly in speaking with clients as well, part of grieving allows us to really explore what is uncomfortable, really be with these changing bodies of ours and not skip over you know, the hard part by disengaging from our bodies, by working really hard to kind of power through a, like a feeling like sadness or grief. Grief is an interesting emotion because it's kind of one of those things. It doesn't go away. It changes if we think about like grieving in, in terms of like the loss of a, another person. We don't stop grieving. We just change our relationship with it and proximity to it from minute to minute. And I hope in thinking about body grief as kind of a normal chapter of being in a body. And I, you know, I hope there are plenty of people here who have never felt grief around their bodies. However, this is an impossible planet to have a body on and, you know, escape untouched. And so allowing ourselves to feel the full breadth of emotion, part of, you know, part of being in a relationship is, is really good stuff and really hard stuff. And that is how you know that you are in a relationship that is kind of worth its salt. Body grief for me has made it possible for me to be much more present in a body that is much, 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 much more disabled than it was when I first started talking about body grief. I had no idea how my body would continue to change. And I don't know how it's going to change from where I am right now. And it's okay to be sad. It's okay for things to be hard. And being with the challenge of having a body is a really important thing. So when we skip over the hard feelings, we skip over the experience. What was the, what has been your evolution with your body grief story? Like when did you start to first experience grief? What was what was happening in your life? And have you said evolved and and your body continues to change so that grief continues to morph as well? So I have been this is like a way old backstory, but I'll still share it. I love high heels. I love high heels. And I started wearing high heels when I was in high school and I wore heels like every day in high school after my sophomore year and every day in college. And when I entered, by the time I entered the workforce, I wasn't able to wear heels, but I, I had this story in my mind that like, if I'm going to be taken seriously as a professional, if I'm going to be, you know, working with humans and my colleagues and there are other people who I want to look to me as like there's actually part of the the read-in that you read about me where I call, like a nutrition expert uh, <laughs> I want to get as far away from that word as I possibly can and when I was young I was diagnosed with MS when I was 15 and I I don't know how old I was when I actually I was probably 23 when wearing high heels became hard. Well, multiple sclerosis, like 15, that's a really young diagnosis, right? For the average like person to be diagnosed in high school. Super precocious. <laughs> uh, I, my first flare was when I was 12. 
so we've been, we have been in a longstanding relationship with this brain and this body, but I, so like I had, had this story about high heels. My husband of many, many years is a lot older than I am. And to be woman in business who is respected and like you're wearing this outfit and high heels are part of the story. And like, this is, this is my story. So I was probably 23 when I stopped being able to wear high heels. And I don't think I stopped buying high heels until I was in my mid twenties anyway. And I had this collection of shoes that I couldn't wear that I loved. So I would wear them in my house or I would wear them to go to a restaurant. I would walk into the restaurant, sit down, walk to the car, take off the shoes, right? So it was just like, it was about the look of it all. And in retrospect, I was working at a residential eating disorder treatment facility as I'm going through this process and actively stop buying high heels because literally they were just on this, like this wall of should. It's like, I should be able to wear these. If I'm going to be a respected professional, should be, should be, da, 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 da. And I ultimately sold my shoes. I stopped buying them, but I would go into the shoe department and put a shoe on my foot and not stand up. Just look at it on my foot and say like, this is what I want. And I would go home again, speaking to privilege, but I would buy these shoes that I thought looked really pretty. And like, I'm a very sane person and my connection to this vision of who I thought I was supposed to be wasn't particularly processed. I was very much in like an early stage of acknowledgement of my disease at a very early stage of grieving. Getting rid of the shoes took a lot of time and a lot of like energy. It was, it was a challenging thing which is so funny, like today speaking to you more than a decade later, I just had a girlfriend over who I, we have the same sized foot and I gave all of my nice shoes and boots and things like that. They're all flat. I gave all of them to her and it was a really different experience. I'm, I'm differently attached to my body I'm differently attached to the stories that I am telling myself about my body when I was working in that residential facility as I was getting rid of my high heels. I talked a lot about like in session with clients, I would talk about my heels. I'm like, I am super sane, but I kept these shoes. Like I'm saying like, I am keeping these heels because I believe that I'm supposed to be wearing these heels. It's kind of the same thing as saying like, I don't like gravity, but like, alas, here we are on planet earth and I'm like, we're not floating. So I don't have to like that. I'm not wearing high heels and I can still take care of myself. And in that time, my right leg was changing. She was getting, we were slowing down and I developed foot drag on that, that foot. And I would talk out loud to my clients, to my colleagues, to talk about my stupid leg. And I didn't appreciate, um, and I'm so I'm eternally grateful to the clients who 
helped me appreciate how much we have the ability to impact one another in terms of how we feel about our bodies and the way we speak about our bodies. Because I was here thinking no one in the world is comparing themselves to me because here I am as this like diseased person. This has nothing to do with what's happening for anyone else, except we all have bodies. And Dodo, Anna, learned a really nice lesson because I was given the gift of being advised that the things that I said about myself impacted other people. And I know this. So I started my shit talk jar and (laughs) I, I mean, this is an expensive lesson, but it worked. I had a jar. It was like a pickle jar that I kept in my car. And this is when we still had like dollars. Not everything was like electronic yet. But when I would say something unkind about my body, I'd put a dollar into the jar. And ultimately, I would continue this practice until... It was a matter of when I'm thinking something unkind about my body, I put a dollar in the jar and I donated several hundreds of dollars to the Multi-Surface Eating Disorder Association, our local eating disorder resource in the greater Boston area. And today in my adult, like fully formed adult brain and fully formed adult self and this body, who again we're different. Um, I still, I still grieve. I still feel sad, but I have so much kind of abounding respect for what this body has done and what our, our, all of our bodies do. This is a very hard time to be on the planet with body. And so when it comes to the work that I am doing, um, I'm so happy. Like when I first started doing this, I thought Jessica, like picture me like a really young version of me. I'm on an eating disorder unit and I'm like, okay, well, if everybody's fed and everybody's hydrated and everybody goes to like enough groups, like your body image is going to just like be fine. As stated by someone who has not, I have not lived through an eating disorder. My sister is the reason that I came into this field. And she is a fully recovered adult human today. And I think body image processing is so oversimplified. And it is so, there are so many missed opportunities, particularly we talk when we talk about like self-care as a body image strategy, like get your nails done or get a massage or something, you know, whatever it is body image work is way, way bigger than that. How do you start with the process or how do you like even begin when you're trying to help someone face healing their body, healing the relationship to their body, all the grief that's buried maybe within that? Increasingly, I am interested in like body stories and thinking about how you got to you being the collective you, how you got to where you are today, how the beliefs you have about your body were established, where they came from. We think about intergenerational trauma. This is absolutely true when it comes to body narratives. I have to be really frank. I think body image work is really, really slow. And one of the more difficult 
parts of it is anybody offering like a really rapid solution is not going to actually have a rapid solution for you, particularly if an eating disorder is suggesting like if you do this, you're going to be okay in your body. Everything is transient. And I'm always curious about where people want to land in terms of how they would like to experience, you know, being in their skin. I hate the expression body positivity, not as a concept, I appreciate that, but it is not appropriately um, used. I don't mean to say that to suggest like you can't have a nice relationship or good feelings about your body, or if you do, you're doing something wrong. Um, but I feel really strongly that body image experiencing is not like there's a destination and then you get there and it's done, right? Body image experiencing is about unearthing the like the what it is that got us here what are the things in place that are maybe keeping us here so the things that like got us here thinking about culture genetics thinking about hand-me-downs from your grandma thinking about what's happening like in your present moment world how much time is being spent on a phone how important is your body experience in relation to the way that you kind of navigate, you know, being a human, how do your body experiences line up in terms of like your true values is being um, a human who is really distracted by the body experience, allowing you to live in ways that are really deeply fulfilling and how do we keep coming back to this, to the place and like the constant reminder that it really, it's not, not about the body, but if we stop with it just being like about the body, there's a whole bunch that isn't being looked into, that isn't being appreciated or understood just because we get, get these singular earth suits. And if we spend all of our time dedicated to like, the malleability of them, we're chasing a thing that is changing no matter what we do. And what would it feel like to reevaluate the chase in the beginning? And obviously, <laughs> this is a very tiny snippet of conversations that happen over the course of many, 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 many sessions and years. Um, I think maybe that's the more important thing. Like, it's not a fast process because anything that is really worth your time and energy is something that's probably going to require um, evolution and tweaking and adjusting and kind of realigning over and over and over and over and over again. And I think one of the more important things, and we can just use grief as like the overarching word, the objective of having a body or experiencing negative feelings in a body having a body period the objective is not to never feel negative feelings it's not to never have challenging conversations or never have difficult anything it's about how do we feel hard things allow ourselves to feel them because we're gonna feel them and take the most gentle care of ourselves in the process I love that as I'm looking at you you have a sweatshirt on that says earth suit. So it's very fitting for what you're, you're talking about here. And 
it seems like you're you're speaking more to having like body image resilience. It's not about body image complete resolution, like it's forever changed, and that there's going to be evolution within our own selves. You know, as we hit certain age markers, or certain things happen to our bodies, or certain things begin to catch up. You know, I'm seeing that in my mother as she's aging now. She definitely took the fast track rock and roll lifestyle, and it's like, well, it definitely just all of a sudden can. It can be can be hard to to all of a sudden be sitting with that and a lot of shame I think can come in and guilt and and have you found with people you've worked with too like the process of forgiveness around I know some people have you know, abused laxative for years and then another body really is having a hard time with digestion and they're working with people to help you know facilitate that more or uh, you know bone loss that's something my mom is extremely facing, you know, massive bone loss, which can can then lead to impairment and being able to be more mobile. And how would you work? What would you recommend for some practices, skills to really be able to hold that experience with love and forgiveness? I think that even speaking about experiences like that with compassion and curiosity and like acknowledgement of the fact that like if at a different time you could have done differently, maybe you would have done differently and how how does it feel to in this moment sit with the fact that here we are how can we again not trying to move beyond one emotional experience or another but how can we best honor your present moment self i have not found that a lot of goodness comes from being really unkind to ourselves for things that, you know, our younger previous versions of self weren't able to do differently. So you're talking about your mom and her rock and roll lifestyle, or if you mentioned laxative abuse and what that might mean for someone's digestion. I'm so grateful that, you know, bodies are as resilient as they are. And my biggest hope for humans who have stuff is that they have people that can honor their experience and sit with them in the shit because sometimes it's just shit and like there's nothing there's nothing to do but feel frustrated and feel sad and all of that is valid yeah it does no good to be like well you should have thought about that before because it's like well like nothing can really be changed so how can how can there just be greater acceptance, compassion, to just be seen and witnessed for the hard, the shit, like you're saying. Agreed. Do you have any other skills or practices that you found have helped you and the people that you work with when facing body grief, you know, around missed opportunities, just feelings of that loss, that deep sense of loss and, and vulnerability, I think is another one. You know, I really think that as you know how it feels to be with people that are really embodied and grounded when you're in their presence as compared to what it feels like to be with people who are perhaps a little bit less in like less grounded, less rooted. I think we're all at one time or another going to be like, it will be safe to be grounded. It'll be safe to be still, even if it's not particularly comfortable. I think doing kind of like the, I'm going to say bare minimum things like getting enough food and getting enough rest and getting enough fluid and moving or practicing whatever it is that connects you to your body 
I think that this is a really, uh, as I've said 17,000 times, it's a hard time to be a human with a body. And the ridiculous offerings of the wellness industry that if you do this and that and this and that, like everything will be fine and you will live forever. Just give me $7,000 every day for the rest of your life. We're just chasing after this idea that like bodies are supposed to be like kind of stagnant and that's not true. So my, my big wish for folks is having the ability to be nourished enough and nourished enough for a real connection, nourished enough for more than just like, can just be basic self-care, right? Like being fed adequately as a means of like step one, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, anything. Body image work happens I mean, it can happen at that time, but it is like a later on down the road and not in the whole, like you'll deal with body image when you come out of a residential treatment facility and like, we'll do body image work later. That comes next. I hate that expression. I have used that expression. Body image healing is a process that happens all of the time. And some of it can be about looking at the systems that are in play that have made it. So you are questioning your sense of value or goodness in relation to your body can be about looking at societal norms can be, you know, little things like I deserve to be kind to myself for no reason other than like I'm here. I think with practice, kindness always feels better than criticism. Like it's such this warm, gooey honey that just coats the heart and just feels so safe and loving but when you're with such a critical voice for so many years, that can feel like the norm. And But kindness just has such a better resonance in, in the nervous system than criticism. Do you have any like embodiment practices? Because I've really been working a lot on healing, you know, deeper trauma that I've experienced in my life. And I've just found, you know, maybe the past three years, I'm like, it's all about the body. <laughs> like, I had no idea, you know, because I'm a very intellectual woman and much more creative. But I'm just like, whoa, it's all about the body like that's such an important factor is being like in it though like actually like embodied do you have practices that you personally do or recommend or people to follow or just anywhere for people to get started i do um i do a lot of teachings actually that were handed down from desiree attaway and monique melton and other teachers that have been have been and are in my life. I do a ton of humming, like on purpose, making noise, which can be very hard, but thinking about ways to stimulate the vagus nerve. I fall asleep humming, which is very annoying to my husband. (laughs) Uh, And I wake up and the first thing I do is like a really good, like diaphragmatic, like the weirdest thing about this is like, I can feel my body relax just from that little little thing i can feel myself be differently grounded i have a hard time feeling my feet on the floor because i like i know that they're there but i don't have a lot of proprioception on my feet so i'm focused a lot on feeling myself connected to my seat or the back of a chair and inviting being being thoughtful when i'm if i'm doing a meditation or something that's guided and that people are asking me to like focus on my feet on the floor 
I am focusing on the things that I can actually feel. And in this chapter, I don't have a lot of judgment about that. I have a lot of curiosity around it, but mostly right now, my grounding practices are about making vibration sounds. And I meditate every day, but it is such an interesting thing. One of my old practitioners, like a million years ago, introduced me to a, like a Korean meditation. So I have mantra that is in Korean that I know what it means in Korean doesn't translate directly, but I just stick with that over and over and over again. And it's an interesting thing. I never, I never imagined and like, I'm really grateful for EMDR and like really good trauma work at a very different part of very different chapter of my life. And I am really, um, gosh, talk, talking is great, but like the body is better. <laughs> That's great. That's a quotable, <laughs> right? Cause talking, you can just do that all day long. And then it's like the body's just crying out to be experienced, to be inhabited. Yes. Yeah. That's where emotions flow through, right? Like we can't just experience our emotions. We can try to overanalyze them or rationalize them or just like ruminate, but it's like the emotion in the body can just, just flow through and unresisted and just allowed. Well, Anna, how can all the warriors stay in touch with you? Please, 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 please come find me on Instagram. I would love to chat with you. I will respond to you myself. I am, this is going to be the year that I actually am going to release some things to buy on the internet that allow me to be not your dietitian. But if you want to take dietitian Anna home with you, there will be things that will happen this year. And please, 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 please come hang out with me. This was wonderful. Oh, well, lovely listener. Your body is a powerful and amazing instrument whose job is to carry you through this world and help you experience life. And so we are here for you. Subscribe and continue to follow this series and come join us on the path to body freedom and learn what it means to fully live in your body, regardless of your shape, your size, or the number on the scale. Go to recoverywarriors.com slash beyond to request an invite to apply for Beyond Body. This is our six-month body image accelerator program for middle-aged professional women with a history of an eating disorder. So once again, that's recoverywarriors.com slash beyond. We would love to connect with you close and up personal week after week for many months and many moons to do this deeper healing work together. Thank you so much for being a part of this.